Welcome to Enhanced Therapy Podcast. My name is Derek Davda. I'm at the Denver International Airport right now uh, at the end of the largest gathering of people who work on bringing psychedelic therapies to those in need. Psychedelic therapies such as MDMA-assisted therapy and psilocybin-assisted therapy. Well, this has been quite, quite the experience very meaningful experience personally for me and our team has attended the conference and gathered some very very interesting material for you to listen to Um, I uh, personally have been extremely honored to be among uh, this huge crowd of people there are 12,000 people at the conference this is the first uh, conference of this kind it's a, it's a historical conference. Uh, there has been so many moments at the conference that have been uplifting. I <laughs> I have spent I have spent most of the conference in tears, on and off. Um, both both you know processing personal personal sort of stuff. And just because it was so uplifting to see this movement, this movement who is really uh, at the edges of it, is expanding and, and is, is going to bring very positive, very positive change to the world. And to see the leaders of this, this movement, such as Roland Griffiths or Rick Hart, uh, to be such wonderful people who work so hard, who essentially have given their whole lives to this pursuit of well-being. Um, there has been so many connections that have been made. The positivity of the vibe of the whole conference has been so extremely positive. The conference consisted of the conference consisted of uh, predominantly of scientific presentations, huge crowds, uh, rooms filled past beyond the brim. You couldn't get into some of those presentations. They were putting screens outside the rooms. Um, and also there were some events that were more uh, retreat-like events. No drugs, of course. Um, but there were all kinds of other events and there was a, something called Deep Space where actually where we uh, recorded all the interviews so you will hear you will hear the sound the sound um, the sound for this podcast is not your studio sound it's actually there I recorded it on purpose to bring you there to that room to that Deep Space room where all the exhibits and all the workshops were happening um, so yes, uh, today what we have for you is um, uh, there will be a few of these few parts that this podcast will will have, and we will bring to you first-hand accounts of people who used MDMA in a therapeutic context or in a recreational context. Essentially, uh, what uh, I have decided to do is not to edit these interviews at all, and uh, and not and to give you all the interviews just as we recorded them 
I just want to be honest, the same as the sound. The sound is honest and, and, and those interviews will just present a kind of an honest cross-section of people who have used MDMA in all kinds of settings. It will give you a, a good sense of all sorts of uh, experiences that people have, the differences as well as the common, commonalities that uh, uh, in those experiences. There's a, a few things that are very important that I should mention right now. Uh, one is that these therapies, MDMA and psilocybin, are illegal at this point, and these therapies are not available uh, outside of research context. So in no way we are recommending that you use these drugs. Uh, these drugs have side effects and have risks and sometimes uh, a fairly serious risk. So uh, let's allow the research to, to take its course and for the approvals to come up, which might be um, next year as early as 2024 or perhaps 2025 if it gets delayed. But that's the hope. Um, and then we will be able to, to deliver those therapies to you. Our, our team at Enhanced Therapy Institute is... is uh, is ready, ready and trained to deliver those therapies, uh, and we are we continue training uh, to deliver those therapies in the safest possible way and the most effective possible way to you. But right now, we are not recommending that you use these drugs, and uh, and um, that's pretty much all about the caution, that cautionary note that I wanted to. To, to give you here um, this podcast is uh, mostly for people who have never had experiences with MDMA or psilocybin and, uh, and I hope that it will give you some information it's a, a little bit of a public education uh, angle here alright uh, let's go to the interviews now enjoy my name is Derek Davta and I'm, uh, I'm a psychologist and I'm a host of Enhanced Therapy Podcast where we uh, talk about MDMA therapy. Uh, we are at, at, uh, at the Psychedelic Science 2023 conference, the biggest psychedelic therapy conference yet. Uh, and I'm here to gather first-hand experiences of people who have done MDMA uh, and of people who have done MDMA therapy to just give like a little bit of a, a little bit of a sense to as to how MDMA and MDMA therapy works for those who have never never done it so I wonder whether you could uh, whether you could give me your your first name, your age, and um, and then tell me about what role has MDMA played in your life. So my name's Evan Clark. I'm a uh, a student. I'm studying to become a therapist. Um, I'm 40 years old. Uh, I've come a long way. My first experience with MDMA was in the late 90s when I was probably. 15, 16 years 15, old, because I grew up in the rape scene in the Midwest, okay. so it was techno parties, it was electronic music, and 
I fell in love instantly. Not necessarily with the MDMA, but how it kind of spawned this this collective scene of beautiful people that you know might have not uh, um, that might have not been accepted amongst the rest of their community. So this is where uh, the rave scene in the U.S. back in the late '90s, early 2000s was where all the um, all the outcasts could come together. Mm. And so the MDMA kind of helped bring us together and build a community. And so for 15 years after that, that was my job. I was a, an event promoter, producer, so I threw raves and festivals for a long time um, until I sustained an injury and I had to get surgery for that injury. Mm. And I'm sure you all heard of the opiate crisis in the United States doctor prescribed me an insane amount of opiates then cut me off and then I went to street drugs and intravenous heroin etc and I was left nowhere I I had no help at all how many years ago was that seven years seven years so I found an ayahuasca church in Kentucky and uh, I went down for two ceremonies and I went down there in full withdrawal like I was shaking a lot of a lot of pain and stress And uh, I went down there in two ceremonies and took all withdrawal symptoms away. Um, I never had any substance abuse issues after that. And well, I, how, how, many, uh, how many years ago was that? That's about seven, seven or eight. Seven years ago yeah, yeah. That, that helped you overcome the opiates, yeah, addictions, street drugs and all that. Yeah, yeah. and then I enrolled in school. Good for, that's great. Yeah, man. graduated awesome. magna cum laude at my school. Now I'm uh, almost finished up with my graduate degree and mm-hmm. I hope to uh, Uh, ultimately, uh, use ayahuasca as a treatment. Ayahuasca as a, okay. Yeah. okay. I spent uh, a year uh, and a half down in the Peruvian jungles. I, just, I meant to go down there for a month or two, and then I just stayed. I facilitated, and I found my path. And you think, great, wonderful. And you think ayahuasca mostly for addictions or just generally? Um, I mean, addiction, a lot of things. It's, it's basically the darkness that's within you. Ayahuasca helps bring that up and then cut it away. Okay, yeah. okay. wonderful. Yeah. That's so great. Um, so do you recently, have you used any MDMA or have you been yeah. doing MDMA therapy ever? I, I've, I've taken the MDMA therapy courses. Um, for me, I, I still like to use MDMA recreationally. Okay. Um, it's a little bit different these days though. From my former, from my younger days What's when the I was the substance itself, you mean? Um, no, the the way I approach it. So now it's very deliberate. Yes, I'm going to like an electronic music event or something when I use it, but I test it. I make sure it's high quality. Um, I don't use any other substances with it. That's very. No, I I let that just let the medicine work. And like we used to call going to raves and techno events, we used to call call it going to church. Or going to the temple, you know, to us it was a spiritual experience. Okay. Yeah, wonderful. Any uh, any downsides of MDMA for you after after those parties? Um, no, because I know how to take it. Right. You know, when you don't drink water, when you don't take care of yourself, you use other other substances with it. That's when you have the downsides of MDMA. Yeah. But I've never personally experienced um, a downside with MD- MDMA when using it properly. Mm. Okay, that's, that's yeah. great. Wow. Well, great. It's so great to wow, hear. And, uh, I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm so sorry to hear that the system left you. Oh, no, that's left why. Left you in the... 
they they left me in the void. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to infect the system and make a better system out of it. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my heart goes to you, man. That's such a such a moving story. Yeah, my friend. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you so much for interviewing me. Let me give you all. Prompt me on questions or just kind of free flow like that. Uh, well, I, I can ask you questions. Okay. okay. You can tell me uh, your name. Okay. If um, you feel comfortable. Yes, absolutely. My uh, name is Diana. And how old are you, Diana? I'm uh, going on 58 tell, in September. Tell me just a little bit about the story that you just told me here. Um, I never, for uh, for 55 years of my life, I was completely helpless to the trauma. Of, this, of the kind that imprints on uh, the mind, the development, is staggered in a way that the, the person, in, in, in this case me, went inside so deeply that it was like, it was this automatic system where I was constantly on guard and, and fearing for my life and I never was able to connect with another human being or myself. And any of the attempts that I had to somehow alleviate this this feeling of something is really wrong here, and I couldn't, but I felt and, like and you felt that something was wrong with something you. Something was wrong with me. There wasn't any loving influence for me to um, to have like some kind some of, like sort of somebody, somebody recognizing the light that within you me. are, that you yes. exist, that yes. you yes, as 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 this as you. Self, yes, and and so I wasn't. I was looking my whole life for the truth, and I didn't know it. So I was like searching and searching and searching. And now it's like to come forward here in 2020. My father, my father, a biological father, um, died just as the pandemic was happening. My brother, my elder brother, um, died in 2018, and he. He died of a broken heart because he had um, he was morbidly obese and his whole life he never felt the value because the message in our home was that we we didn't count and that we were worthless and that like literally we were a weight on you know like we were leeches and, and we didn't we didn't have anything to offer and we never would. Those of us that get that message we, it's like the wall that is put up there yeah. is impenetrable. Impenetrable. And, and that, it, the, that deep, dark secret is like, that's the thing that if anybody else gets wind of that, that's the truth about you, that, that I'm broken, and that, like, that's, that's the truth about me. So it's like constantly trying to... Um, not only um, be small on the radar because of obviously somebody could say, "Hey, I know what you're about," yeah. and they could read you your rights, and it'd be, and then it'd be like, you know, yeah. I, I can't fight against and you, that. You, you vanish. And so, yeah, and so the the self medicating that happens that people talk about addiction and stuff that is literally just a person trying to find some sort of a place that they can have a refuge inside of this just this madness all of that mentality is about um, holding on to this idea that we're separate 
And you're in a different spot right now. Oh my goodness. I had literally, literally was like in sort of a, a meditative state and a light came through me and a voice said, it's all going to be okay. You know, I'm not super yeah. man or woman yeah. and I'm not the worst thing in the world, but I'm me and I'm unique and here's my life and I get to have freedom of choice. Work. Okay, what we have achieved up to this point is just this, now we are going this way and there's no going back down. I mean, I'm not even for a split second. Do you think about it's, this conference and the contribution oh of what's my, happening here? I, it, it, this is... I think this is the most wonderful thing I've ever experienced. And I, in fact, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever experienced You're in my life. You're hopeful about the future. I am 100. Yeah. I am here that I represent love now. Um, it, when the truth is, when the truth is held as, as sacred, it literally, it heals the world. And I want to thank you so much thank for you. sharing your story. Absolutely. <laughs> That's part of the experience. Exactly. Hello, my name is Dave. Um, I live in Northern California near San Francisco. I'm uh, not quite 58 years old. And um, I used to be a Ace Hardware retailer. Recently, I've sold my business and I'm here learning about this ecosphere. Um, I have a lot of my own personal anecdotal experience, um, therapeutically, ceremonially, and recreationally. Okay. With MDMA specifically? Or? With MDMA and others. Okay. Um, but um, I'm trying to understand how I might be helpful, be of service, trying to understand what the need is in this okay. emerging industry. Um, yeah, that's wonderful. It seems like that's the vibe here. Yeah. The kind yeah. of a vibe of service, of, of making the world a better place, of helping each other yeah. connect. Could you tell us about, um, about uh, you know, the role MDMA played in your life? Or MDMA the, therapy? The, the, the transformational role? The transformational <laughs> role, if that's what it's been. Um, so, having previously been diagnosed with clinical depression, and spending probably 10 to 15 years on either CBT or talk therapy with a combination of SSRIs and that sort of a thing, which, no disparagement, they were helpful um, to a point. Um, I uh, encountered a, a wonderful therapist in a couples counseling therapy um, who suggested that I'm very likely suffering from some form of PTSD from the violence of my childhood, my service in the Marine Corps, um, and the early death of my brother. Um, and she's uh, suggested that there are some therapists, of course, uh, not, you know, clinically underground. available. Underground. They're yeah. underground uh, in in uh, in secret who who might be able to help. And I was. Um, connected with a, a guide. Uh, we did four preparatory sessions um, before the first MDMA journey. And then um, we went to a, a wonderful space uh, in Berkeley, California, and I had one of the most transformational experiences of my life. Tell us, tell us. Um, the uh, ability of this molecule 
to peel away the armor, peel away the thick layers of stuff that I know I had been unconsciously and sometimes consciously piling over my inner jewel um, was amazing. Uh, it's beyond words. Words don't do it justice. I came back into relationships with my parents, with my partner, with my work, with my siblings from a completely different space. Um, I've since done a second journey with MDMA. Again, therapeutically, my guide has been um, caring and careful and um, all the things that you would want from someone when you are in a place so vulnerable and yet feeling so safe um, beyond anything I've experienced before. Um, I would put it up there with experiences like the birth of my children um, and things like that. The, the kind of thing that if I were to go back in time and explain to my 15 years ago self what this experience would be like, he would not believe me. <laughs> so um, I'm planning on a third journey in August. Um, and. Uh, I can't say enough about how helpful it has been to me. Um, upon having these journeys, I decided to educate myself a little bit more because I've done ceremonial journeys with mushrooms. I've done recreational stuff with mushrooms and LSD and other things. All were very pleasant. Um, and I started to educate myself on them more on the history. I'd, I'd heard kind of the anecdotal stuff. Everybody kind of knows who Albert Hoffman is and that sort of thing, right? There's stories in the uh, in popular culture about that sort of thing. Um, but once I began to investigate a little more deeply about the resistance to these medicines and why they were put, where they were put, in the categories they were put, and societally how they were disparaged and how they were um, categorized and characterized, I, I began to get very frustrated and angry because I had been so helped, helped yes. by this. Yes. Um, without any, from the sounds of it, without any adverse effects or... or, I've, or I have had no adverse effects. I've been very, I, I don't think I've been very lucky that way. I think um, the, the care uh, that my guide um, provided right. as part of this, yeah. the integration after the experiences, mm -hmm. the preparation before them, mm -hmm. the intention setting, the wonderful um, uh, environment, uh, all ha have combined to um, create such a wonderful um, experience. And I'm beginning to find that seven-year-old mm -hmm. again who started to get squashed down the curiosity the excitement the the wonder the fascination the awe it's all has all come back up it's all come back up and i can tell i'm much more pleasant to be around 
<laughs> um, and I've reconnected and renewed relationships that, um, that unfortunately were damaged over the years. And, and I own 100% of my stuff in that. Um, but I think my accessibility and vulnerability has created an invitation for them to come back and say, oh, this might not be so scary after all and to have conversations about my experience and broaden the greater knowledge. I've decided amongst my family and friends, the word is out. Um, I've had a couple of shocked looks because in my life, I've been a Marine, I've been an upstanding member of the community, I've been the president of the Chamber of Commerce, I've done all these other things where you, would, you wouldn't look at me and go, oh, Typical, of, of yeah. course he takes right, LSD right. on yes. the weekends or whatever the sure. case may be. I'm very non-typical yes. that way in initial appearance. So when people hear this, there's a little bit of a, huh, what? But you're I, not. You, do you feel free to, uh, to talk about Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. I am. I feel so uninhibited. Um, That's wonderful because there are, there are so many people who don't have that, you know, luxury of feeling I, safe. I, I think of it as a calculated risk. That's I've spent a lot of time and energy establishing myself within my various communities as someone that is okay. Right. We've, uh, been, we've been meeting so many uh, people, especially licensed professionals here, who, who are very kind, who tell us about their experiences but are not feeling safe to share oh, absolutely. because of their licenses. I, I've met see how many one two three four I've met five into doctors nurses and um, therapists mm -hmm. who said if their colleagues or their boss found out they were out this conference there would be professional consequences to that and I, I it hurts my heart to hear that yes. I mean you're here to figure yes. out how to help people even more than you are why not incorporate this wonderful tool you know, I was, into the process I was thinking I, about I, it, it amazes it's me coming. it's coming it is it's coming. the revolution is here when so. you when you said about uh, you doing underground therapy the uh, the image that came to my mind was uh, an image of mycelium an image of their roots and the mm -hmm. underground being developed first and growing first. Absolutely. And it's only now that the, the, the fruiting the bodies are beginning. Fruiting bodies are starting to come out. Absolutely. I, I have a couple of questions for you. One would sure. be, um, if you were to to speak to the decision makers, to the licensing bodies, to the politicians, to people who uh, uh, to legislate, uh, you know, people who do. Uh, uh, tell me, what would you what would you say about I, these therapies? I, I would I would ask them to come and have conversations with people who could tell them what it felt like to be in the place before this it was this experience was available. However, it was made available, yes. and to understand the deep hurt, the deep disconnection, the, the depth of despair, um, you know, luckily my own plan to end my life was uh, interrupted and I, I'm here to talk about it. Uh, so, um, and I would tell them, I said, look, on the surface, I look like I had it all, a family, a business, uh, I, I'm the success story. 
I had plans to drive myself off of a cliff into the ocean. Um, day, time, exactly how it was going to go down, the whole nine yards. Um, and I'm here now to tell you that part of the reason that I didn't go through with that was these experiences. It's, it's um, and I think of all of the people who, through the shame and the, the shadow world of this, missed out on the opportunity. I, I, I know from my military experience, I know several people who either were very highly damaged from their experience and continue to be so. Some have ended their life. Um, and even their spouses and children, for the ones who passed, they're dealing with tremendous trauma and, and there's no place for them to go. The VA is kind of like, okay, well, we can give you the traditional stuff, but... I think they are starting now. They're, they're, they're starting beginning now. to see. And so for yeah. the decision makers, they need to come to, to a session of yeah. six people who are willing to bear their souls and say, here's where I was. Here's where I am now. And at, this, um, at the same time, there's a concern that this doesn't go too fast and doesn't get out of control and that bad situations don't happen. Without that self-contained. Yes. That hurt doesn't yeah. happen, you know, yeah. because people get too excited. So that's a very important thing. You know, I'm, I'm so honored to share my tears with you. This Thank is such, a, such an amazing story, such a gift. I feel it's such a gift to me, and I hope that's going to be a... Well, I appreciate you asking. Thank you for talking to me. Uh, again, I spread the word. When I get back to my community, I'm going to tell them all about all of the conversations and all of the learnings that I've get, gotten here. Um, we, we need to break the resistance and educate. Educate. Education is the guide to breaking down these old tropes and these kind of silly things that, I mean, when did, when did we first hear that someone on you know, LSD throws himself off of buildings. When did we first hear that? Like when we were young teenagers, right? When we were very young. And it was like, you know, I don't think I ever actually saw that in the news or I'm, right. now I'm in my, well into my 50s and I don't think that ever happened now. It's like, this was like the boogeyman story, right? <laughs> if you if you, if you misbehave, yeah. the monster will come out from yes, your bed and yes. chew your toes off or something. Yes. It's, it's It feels very silly, yes. right? Yes. And yet, when if you're at a particular age and you get that ingrained in your thinking, you're scared. boy, how do you, how do you, you know, extract that? Yes. Education. And also people, you know, I think people generally are very understandably are very afraid of um, destabilizing the patterns not within themselves mm. but also around themselves yes. they embedded in families they embedded yes. in communities that if they were to change that would have a, a, a disruptive ripple, effect, yes. disruptive effect. Yes. and I think yes. I think that's a very legitimate fear for people to have. Oh, absolutely. Because absolutely. if you connect with yourself and who you are and what you really want, and uh, and then that might entail some changes in you know who you hang out with and all that stuff. You know. I, th I think it's very disrespectful to go stomping through Thanksgiving dinner saying everyone should have LSD tonight yes, or something yes, like that. Course. That's yeah. no, that's, that's very, like yes. okay. Yeah. It's not Calm about down. that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, a, a respectful and kind conversation. 
can be had. We don't have to be militant. <laughs> yes. Conversation, that's so, what it's about. Yeah, Thank you absolutely. so much. So, Thank you very so much. So appreciated. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you so much. Well, my name's Bailey, um, and I'm 26 years old right now. Um, based out of the Midwest, spent some time in Colorado in the past. Great, thanks for agreeing to talk to us. So, uh, Bailey, tell us uh, what role has MDMA or MDMA therapy played in your life? I haven't had the opportunity to um, do a formal experience of MDMA therapy, but I had had experiences with MDMA in the past, and in many ways, it's what brought me here today. Hmm. Um, and uh, I think when I was younger, um, a friend um, uh, brought me into the world uh, kind of unexpectedly. Um, but these experiences... Um, You're holding your hands on your, on your heart. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I, um, I do feel that they were very formative in my um, appreciation of nature and uh, beauty in the world. Um, I remember uh, I don't know I feel like my first experience I did uh, someone saw me and they ran to me and gave me the biggest hug and it was so meaningful and I remember exactly where I was and I still visit that place mm. um, but I feel that uh, the connections that I've made the things I see in the world today I still connect back to points experiences that I've had there so it had a la it had lasting effect. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And when you're in the middle of the experience, what kind of words would you use to describe that experience for people who have never used MDMA? Um, with my um, first very intentional experience, um, I uh, felt open and was just moving through, and at some point I um, had a, a recognition of its activation within me, and I remember leaning forward and then leaning backwards and um, laughing and looking into my friend's eyes and seeing them um, and how absolutely beautiful they were, and I saw myself in them also. Um, I experienced, I had some experience with disassociation um, in my youth um, from my body, uh, very mental, and I felt was able to, had an experience for the first time of touching a tree and felt that it was, I felt like I was the tree and I was touching me. And in some way that made a moment for me that, um, that I refer back to that really brings me into my body, really. Um, I think that it was wild to be in an expansive space, but also feel so grounded um, and present. Uh, and I'd say that there were waves at times, and I appreciated the dynamicism. Um, I think those would be my key words from my experiences. My experiences with uh, MDMA also led me to find um, 
other types of entheogens. And I think that it was a very supportive way for me to um, experience a certain state of mind uh, that made me feel safe to experience other states of mind. Okay, okay great. So you did a kind of healing process with them on your own. Like, not on your own, but without like therapeutic guidance, so to speak. Uh-huh, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. And I was so grateful to have people around me. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, felt community is so important there mm -hmm. and um, I imagine I've never practiced but even being by one's own self I think would just be absolutely magical mm -hmm. but it was wonderful to have the support of others um, yeah. in those first experiences and if I asked you questions about you know the later stages when you start when the drug starts wearing off what's the experience of that hmm I would say um, I, I'm I'm picturing now um, uh, being on a hillside at one point and observing the sky. Um, I feel like that's where I was uh, when I think of my um, uh, end of the arc. Yes, um, and I felt like at that point I was able to start integrating or found some conclusions but they were felt conclusions they weren't necessarily thought ones um uh, verbal. verbalized yes mm -hmm. yes and um it felt like i had come to some resolve but it was such a resolve that i did not even need to express it any further mm -hmm. um, and did you find some words subsequently to to those conclusions <laughs> or you just left it in the in that sense of felt sense it, it's been interesting to see how much, because I am very much a words person, I write, I, I want to transfer information to others, um, but I feel like when I touch on those moments, it, it's kind of like uh, when you s smell something and you are sent right back into a moment, hmm. um, where you know exactly the, all the intersections of how that makes you feel, where you were, uh, what was happening for you, mm -hmm. but that you may not feel that you could described injustice mm -hmm. to another to bring them exactly to where you are except in moments where I've shared that with people where I've looked in other people's eyes and I'm like we are both very much here right now and I know that you know that I know that you know nice nice that we're all human and we're all connected with our, each other and everything else especially mm -hmm. this beautiful phenomenon of life on this beautiful planet huh Yes. No, I would really agree. And I think uh, plants and nature, as you mentioned that, it, it, there, there was a, just a great sense of interconnectivity um, that I experienced and, uh, and peace within that. But also, I think later on, a sense of responsibility, where it's like, um, now that I am aware of whatever I've, this is that I've experienced, I, I must move forward in whatever way. And for me, it means uh, working in psychology and communication studies to support others and it's kind of blossoming in what that looks like but therapy is a strong interest of mine. That's great, that's great. So on the, on the negative side, anything in terms of withdrawal the day after coming down and some agitation or anything like that or your experiences, there wasn't much of that? I would not say, I, I can't think of um, negative experiences uh, 
that I had days after. Um, I did have an experience with sassafras. They don't know how chemically similar these things are. Um, but I, I did feel a bit of draw the day after then. But in my more, as far as what I knew, MDMA experiences, uh, I just felt more of a glow. It was an easy glide. Okay. Uh, and yes, I would say that. Anything else you, you would like to add? I suppose I just uh, am grateful to and appreciate um, those willing to follow their curiosity to wherever it leads them. And um, I really do believe that when you go through an unknown space, you will be welcomed on the other side. Mm. And that's, a, that's a really nice way of putting it because I think a lot of people are kind of afraid of, uh, of, of trying things and afraid of change because the change is unknown. And, and I, I still, I, I have um, my moments and my flows of that as well. But I'm grateful for experiences like this as they kind of tack on another thing for me to fall back on and reflect and be like, oh, but this happened here. Yeah. And, and this has happened again and again. And um, I do believe that I can, uh, that I can trust this again once more. Great. Positive reinforcement. And you feel very welcome on the other side. Yes. Great. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I'm very grateful. We're very grateful that you found time to to share your your experience with Absolutely. us and other people. No, thank you so much. I thank you for receiving me, and I appreciate the opportunity to express. Thank you. Into that? Sure. Yeah. Okay. What's your name? Joshua White. Joshua White. Okay. How old are you, Joshua? Can I ask? 45. 45. And uh, you work for, you said, Fireside Project. Yeah, so I started a, a non-profit called Fireside Project that operates the psychedelic peer support line in the U.S. for now, but will soon be expanding to Canada. We provide free support by phone and text message to okay. people who are in the midst of psychedelic experiences, but also wanting to process past psychedelic experiences. So there's actually a phone number that yeah. you have. 62 Fireside, uh, so 623-473-7433. We also have a free mobile app. Uh, that we like to think of as the first ever app that's designed specifically for people tripping. So if you open it up, you just see two big orange buttons, one that says call and one that says text. Oh, wow, wow. That's amazing. So it's like some serious harm reduction work. I think harm reduction, I think of as like a yin and a yang, right? By creating a safe, non-judgmental, compassionate space that both reduces the risks of psychedelic experiences, but it can also help empower you to find the courage to turn towards your psychedelic experience uh, and really fulfill the transformational potential. Okay, great. Could you, uh, could you tell me about what role MDMA or MDMA therapy has played in your life? Sure. So MDMA was actually the first psychedelic experience that I ever had. It was How about... Old I was 22. 22, okay. So 23 years ago. 23 years ago, okay. Yeah, and it was it was fascinating because I never taken any any drug really before, and um, I was in Atlanta visiting a friend, and we, we were supposed to go out and take it clubbing, but um, it was like the afternoon, and it was a beautiful day, and, and he said, "How about you just take it now?" So I said, "Okay, sure, no problem." So we were actually like walking through a mall. 
and the first sensation that I felt was I was I was in an Armani exchange touching a sweater, you know, and it felt like magic. That was nice and everything. But then we went outside to meet one of his friends, and uh, you didn't buy the sweater, did you? I did not buy the sweater. <laughs> I should have. Um, but uh, we were talking to one of his friends who was telling us about how she was having really awful insomnia and I was listening to her as the you know the beautiful wind was on my face and I remember literally feeling her pain like this was the purest empathy that I had that I'd ever felt before and um, yeah it was a really transformational experience um, but interestingly you know I, I um, I had that experience, then I went to law school the next year and kind of um, didn't really take psychedelics for a while, um, but it was only after I graduated and really had a very stable job and found community that uh, psychedelics like really became this like foundational part of my life. Mm. So you, uh, you, when did you do your last MDMA uh, Trip or did you ever have you ever done MDMA assisted therapy or it's usually in uh, other contexts? It's always been in a um, like um, either been with a partner or been um, you know at electronic music events or festivals like Burning Man. I definitely reject labels like ceremonial, recreational, okay. etc. Because okay. of course you could be on a dance floor and it can be the deepest so, ceremonial experience of your whole life. Right. Um, but I've never done uh, MDMA-assisted psychotherapy, not because I don't believe it's powerful, it just hasn't been the right uh, fit okay. for me uh, at different points in my life. Now, given your work, what would you say are the most important things that people should think about uh, when they do MDMA mm. in general? Sure. Well, I would say that MDMA, like, like other psychedelics, is an incredibly powerful tool. Um, and like any powerful tool, um, you know, I think it's important to think deeply about why this experience, why this tool, why now, what am I hoping to get out of the experience? And really, like, I think of psychedelics, like when I take psychedelics, as, as though I'm like entering a sacred temple. And I really like come in with such humility and really like bow down and, um, and often just like ask for help and ask for guidance. And then, of course, what happens is, um, I, you know, even the most powerful psychedelic never heals you. The, the most powerful psychedelics create the space for you to heal yourself because only you can heal yourself. Right, right. What would you say about from your experience, since you've done uh, a number of substances, what would you say is the unique uh, potential for MDMA in uh, this kind of healing therapeutic context? Sure. As opposed to other substances. Sure. Well, I think um, you know, obviously, like the evidence that MDMA is great with trauma is is um, is really powerful. But I actually think more fundamentally than that, so many of the problems of our world are a consequence of disconnection and and alienation and the the like er erroneous belief or the erroneous sensation that we're separate from each other, that we're separate from the world, that we're, that we're separate even from different parts of ourselves, that's an illusion, right? And I think MDMA uniquely is powerful as a way of connecting with everything. So it's connecting with yourself as well because that disconnection is sort of also predicated on this connection from yourself. Absolutely. I think that it's interesting to think about um, 
what are the different parts of yourself and how do you feel about those parts? What is your relationship to those parts? And unless you love every part of yourself, you can't heal. And one of my favorite quotes is, you can't hate yourself into a better version of yourself. And so as you do this powerful and painful work sometimes to identify different parts of yourself, I think there's a real invitation, hopefully, to see which of the which are the parts of yourself that you feel like are uh, unlovable and unloved and unworthy of love, and really try to see those parts as a doorway. Um, and it's only by going through that doorway and trying to fall in love with every single part of yourself that you can heal. And I think MDMA is the most powerful tool that I know of to to engage with that process. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. What what do you think about the conference? It's Beautiful and magical and overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Yes. I've been crying for like four days. Oh, oh my enough. gosh. Well, I went, A lot of people have, I see. Oh, yeah. Well, I went to the... So the, the day that changed my life more than any other was April 19th, 2013, which was the first day of the MAPS uh, 2013 conference. Mm. And there were 800 people in mm. the Oakland Convention mm. Center. Uh, Rick, obviously, April 19th being Bicycle Day, so that was 70 years to the day after Albert Hoffman's mm. fateful bike ride. Mm. And the, conversa the conference started it's with LSD. Rick's... Rick's, right, LSD, Rick's keynote. Um, he just gets up and puts these two huge pictures of Albert Hoffman up. Everyone gives him a standing ovation. I totally lost it. And that was the day that I really decided that I wanted to devote my life to psychedelics. Mm -hmm. And the psychedelic healing. Wonderful. What, what about the, the world and the role of psychedelics in healing the world? I think they can play a powerful role. I also think that um, you know, there's an over focus on the molecules themselves, yes. right? Uh, you know, the, 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 the psychedelic experience itself opens the door uh, to, to doing the work, but the work uh, really continues after the psychedelic and is, experience. And it's often a very difficult work to, very difficult. to face parts of yourself that are not very glamorous. Absolutely. And not very beautiful, so, you know, that's, uh, and to really truly see those parts and, and somewhat find acceptance for those parts that... Yeah, absolutely, and we really need, like, an ecosystem, right? The, the compounds themselves, the medicines themselves are the starting point, but unless we put an ecosystem in place where there's more community, there's more mutual support, and there's more accessibility, this will all fail. That's great. Anything else you would like to add? This is such a gift uh, to talk to you, and uh, thank you for sharing all, all this. I think my only thing is, yeah, if you're, if you're listening, get involved in a psychedelic community near you. There's a million opportunities to get involved. You know, as they say, fi find the others. And so find the, find others. the others. Yes, yes. Okay, thanks a lot. Sure, yeah, no problem. Thanks. Yeah, really nice to meet you. Appreciate if you can start with your your first name if you feel comfortable? Yeah, I'm Keith, I'm a psychologist and I'm 57 years old. Okay. And I'm Alex, I'm a clinical psychologist and I'm 50 years old. Okay, great, two yeah. clinical psychologists. I'm a clinical yeah. psychologist as well, so. Uh, could you tell, tell uh, me what role has MDMA played in your life? <laughs> well, um, I've had two, only two experiences with MDMA. Uh, one was a guided journey uh, with, a, with an underground guide and one was on my own. Um, 
for me, it's it was a very beautiful experience. When, like, when, when did you do that? Uh, within the last six months. Six months, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I never tried it before. Okay. And, uh, quite frankly, I'd been quite afraid of it before and really never did much experimentation with drugs. And, uh, and could you tell me what was the fear of predominantly? Um, you know, just that since I was young, you know, always having drugs are bad and they're dangerous. Uh, just hearing that over and over again and uh, um, so yeah I uh, you know read a lot about it and I knew intellectually that it wasn't dangerous um, so yeah I finally tried it and it was an amazing experience it's I, I found it to be very um, just like this body warmth and just sense of peace and acceptance and for me I sort of describe it as a very psychological drug medicine even though it was physical in the relaxation for me it just sort of dropped the veils mm. of my psych of my psychology and my mind and I was able to go back to my childhood and relive experiences and remember experiences you know very clearly along with the emotions and so I was really able to process a lot of uh, experiences from my childhood so, that I think were really powerful. So what kind of veils were dropped? How would you describe the I like veils? ego defenses and I, you know, I didn't even know exactly, but it was like yeah. memories that weren't traumatic even, but were just associated with my childhood. Some were very good memories of, you know, being held by my mother and stuff I wouldn't normally remember or think about, but uh, memories of like, you know, wanting to be closer to her so it's like wow it's just like this journey through my childhood and, and did you talk a lot or was it more were you more, yeah, the, more quiet the one I did by myself was I, I would do it quiet and then I would come out and journal a little bit and then I'd go back in um, with the guide I didn't really talk at all kept the eye shades on and the oh, headphones on okay. and, and music uh, as well and music yeah okay. just throughout the whole thing um, both were both were very very beautiful experiences. So they have uh, created some lasting effects for you. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a lot more there to explore, uh, but I, yeah, I just think it's a, it's going to be a very powerful therapy, yeah. medicine, I believe. I, I very much believe so. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And what what were the, the effects you think? It, what, how has how have these two experiences changed you? If, if they have changed you, I think. Um, They've helped me, you know, sort of reframe experiences of my childhood, I think, heal some of the wounds that were there. Um, understand a little bit more how those experiences, you know, maybe shaped who I am. A little more insight into how I get triggered and uh, what happens there. Um, so, yeah, I think... Insight, insight producing kind of... Quite. Insight, yeah, like mentally and I think emotionally okay. as well. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. And uh, on the, the downsides, coming down from the drug the day after, two days after, and have I did, didn't have any symptoms, nothing, or yeah. I, yeah. you know, I did it early in the day, and I was able yeah. to have a nice sleep at night, yeah. and so I didn't have any headaches or no, no, right. no, no, yeah. no negative symptoms. Well, yeah. <laughs> so another question I have is that. Uh, people who are licensed, it's kind of a very tricky area to share your experiences uh, with your professional community or, or in general to be open about, about these experiences. So what I hear from a, a number of people is that they have these profound experiences, but because 
they, they want to keep safe. They don't want to have to, any troubles with the licensing bodies. They are not able to, or they decide not to risk sharing. How is it for you? Um, I don't know. I don't really feel like there's that much risk there. Uh, yeah, you don't feel I, I mean, certainly I wouldn't go to the licensing board and tell them about my experience. Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, being in California, it's... California little, is a little bit, little more, bit more accepting. A little bit more accepting. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Wonderful. So, so, yeah, I don't know. It's not something... I don't worry too I was in the military for a while, and I, I, you know, I lived under a lot of risk, and I didn't do any drugs in the military. Yes, um, yes, yes. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really think too much about that anymore. But yeah, I feel like we're, we're getting close to legalization, and I think a lot of, a lot of people are accepting of these medicines. Society's and changing. More and more research is, is rolling research, in. Research, books so like powerful. Michael Pollan's, you know, right. have opened yes. a lot of people's eye, eyes and hearts. Yes, so, yeah. yes. Great. Anything else you, you would like to add? I mean, I, you know, obviously, I would encourage people to be safe with it and do, do their research. And, of course. Uh, but uh, I also would encourage people that if they can, if they have the means to, to try it, and mm -hmm. find a safe space. And find yeah. a safe space and safe way of doing yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna put me on the spot now. <laughs> well, if that's if that's if of that's course, possible, yes, <laughs> that's possible. <laughs> so, do you do you share a similar story, or you you uh, tried MDMA earlier on in your life? Oh, I tried it um, only about six months ago as well. For the first time. For the first time, I had never okay. even tried cannabis before last year. So this was all just being really convinced of the research and the literature. A lot of it coming out from maps mm -hmm. research and um, just thinking well I can't deny I'm a scientist I can't deny the evidence and I became very curious about it wow. and started talking to others in that space and became more and more convinced that in order to understand it I'd have to experience it and so yeah about six months ago I found an underground practitioner and, and what was the experience like? Oh, it was beautiful. It was, I just remember as it came on, just saying, oh, this is so amazing. And it just felt like I had complete peace. My body was just levitating, it felt like. It was, um, I felt so free and empowered. It was a strange feeling, like beauty and this like strength and empowerment that I hadn't felt. And like Keith was saying, I ended up processing a lot of things from my childhood, and it was interesting. I, I was my fear going in to this experience was that it would activate a lot of trauma, a very traumatic childhood complex that trauma. Was your fear. And I thought, oh, what happens if it all gets oh. activated? And I don't, oh, yes. you know, very understandable <laughs> fear, yeah. and I think yeah. a lot of people have that fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was so I did quite a bit of prep, and I recommend that as well and set my intentions and uh, really worked with the therapist to have a plan in case that started coming up. That's not what happened at all. Not at all, right? No, I, I was, it was like for, I would, it was like I went through my whole life story and with every, every stage of my development that was in my memory, it's just so, I just avoided it. It was so full of trauma and pain and abuse that I didn't go into my memories very often and it was like, I went through my entire life, my entire childhood, and I just kept seeing these beautiful people who came into my life and were heroes 
and just like angels. And all I could remember were all these beautiful moments and sort of wonderful people that were so loving and caring that brought me through. And it was I was so aware, and that's wow. how I see my life now. It's just this, this beautiful journey. So, so it replaced it, you know, my, it changed my whole narrative of self. So it's pretty powerful. How, how, how did it change? How would you say it changed your narrative of self? Uh, instead of feeling ashamed and broken and like embarrassed about my story, I felt like encouraged and powerful and I felt um, even, even professionally, like I felt like I could step into my own power and truth, not in a narcissistic way, but just in a like feeling truly connected to myself and others. So it's really beautiful. It's It's been life-changing in a short time. So all those years of therapy and <laughs> that's amazing what that experience did. It's truly amazing to, yeah. hear, to hear these stories, especially from people like you. That's like spectacular. I'm so grateful that you, that you guys agreed to share your stories because I've talked to, uh, approached a number of licensed professionals here who told yeah. us that yeah, yeah they, they did everything but they, they weren't comfortable sharing their stories another angle since you are professionals since you are a therapist um, I'm just thinking about people who have never done it there's a lot of people especially in my province in Manitoba in Canada that have never done it that that are quite afraid of it and I think the fear that people have often which is very legitimate is um, is that it would destabilize not only their inner life but the systems around them that it could create disturbance uh, because they kind of have a, a from hearing all these stories I think there's enough stories they have a sense that it will change you that this experience will change you it, would you have anything to say about that to people like that and of course, we're not here to encourage anybody right, to do right, anything. Right, that's, right. that's the last thing we want to do. I'm doing right. this just purely for education and giving different perspectives from, you know, which, what would you say to people like this? I mean, I think if somebody's not looking for change and they don't want change, then they should stay away from the medicine. Yeah. <laughs> if they're looking to change, if they're looking to grow, if they want to learn more about themselves, then I think this is a powerful tool for doing that and it's, it's hard for me to imagine a, a negative change from this uh, you know I, I'm sure that's possible but it, it, it's hard to fathom how how being more in touch with yourself how understanding your childhood and your history and working through that it, it may not just be one one session that gets you through that but uh, so you've done it twice. Twice, yeah. So I'm curious about because both of your experiences were very intra, intrapersonal. Yeah. yeah. Does it make the, did it make the a difference for you in the sort of a, a willingness to connect with others? So you've always you've never had problems connecting with others and feeling that. I mean, I think I think yeah, it's it's opened me up and. Uh, Help me work with some of those, yeah, you know, like fears and uh, discomforts of opening up to other people. So I think we're sort of excited to try it as a couple or use it in our relationship. 
think I think it could be really helpful for couples work. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a, that's it's a, it's a very relational, yeah. very relational drive. Yeah. Very grateful that you, yeah. you agreed to share your Thank experiences. You. Thank yeah. you for doing this. Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Claire. I'm 35 and I teach horseback riding lessons. Horseback riding lessons. Okay, yeah. Claire, so tell me what role has MDMA played in your life? Uh, wow, um, I think it's been, I don't know, the, the most. I don't know how to say this in a, in a succinct way, but the most connected I felt with other people, I guess. Mm -hmm. And even um, after using MDMA, I feel like I can access that space even without the drug. Without like cannabis definitely helps, but even sober, I feel like it's just it's concentrated this feeling of empathy with others. And the, I mean, it sounds such a such a trope, but just like the love I feel for the people in my life and especially my parents, honestly, like I feel like it's helped me realize how uh, important they are to me and how, how I need to express that to them sooner rather than later, yes. That's wonderful, that's yeah. great. Have you, if I ask you about uh, the downsides, have you felt any <laughs> discomfort well, afterwards or when you were Well, I'll down? tell you one thing that happened. I, did, I made the mistake of using it two nights in a row. Oh no. Which, you know, I, I knew was not a good, not idea, a good idea, but the second night I thought I, I could not pee. I had this, have you heard of this? I haven't, no. Oh, this is a thing. This is a thing. This is a thing. Okay, there um, you go. I, I'm not the only one, but it, it definitely, it makes you feel like you need to pee, but you cannot. I mean, I spent hours trying to pee. Is there not, nothing you can do about that? I think it, um, it just time wears, wears off, yeah. Okay. I, I had some very forgiving during friends. The, during the, the experience or afterwards? During. During. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little I, bit of a downer again. I was trying to pee for so long and then finally I was in the hot tub and I, thankfully it was around some very forgiving friends. I was like, I'm just, they're like, you, it's okay. You can be, <laughs> you can be in the hot tub. There's enough chemicals. So we just oh, sat yeah. in the hot tub full of my pee for no, a while. Some but people drink that's true friends. During, during some of the ceremonies, yoga ceremonies. Um, that, so. It's, yeah. I, I would say the downside, I haven't done MDMA in a few years, um, mostly just because of how, how hard it is for the recovery. Um, yeah. I think the older I've gotten, you know, I think when the I was younger, got, yeah. it's, uh, okay, okay. definitely affects me more. Okay. You know, I feel like there's there's a lot, a little bit of a harder uh, recovery the day. You know, yeah. it's like what comes up, what goes up right. must come down. You know, and I feel like I I do experience the the come down harder now. Right. But there's nothing there's nothing like it for the connection. For I the think. Connection. And like I said, I think it really, once you've done it, I think it really, stays it you. stays with you. Yes, Not and you can access. Not at the same access. level, obviously, but you have access to Absolutely. That, that feeling. You don't forget what you experience right. kind of an idea. Right. I mean, right. it goes back to this idea that like the drug isn't what brings, it's not in the drug, right? Mm -hmm. It's like something within you that it's at, you're accessing that you, you can fall back on, yeah, you that's know? A, yeah, it's a nice way of so, putting it. I it's mean, a great drug. I, I am very feel very lucky and fortunate to have experienced it and I've tried to convince uh, my, my, my dad was in Vietnam has PTSD you know and I when MAPS was doing the initial trials I was like dad you know you got it like you could really benefit from this like you have no idea what you're 
missing out on. Yeah. You know, but he doesn't have the mm -hmm. people who haven't tried MDMA. Mm -hmm. I don't think have the concept of what it is they're missing because if yeah. they knew what they were missing, yeah. they would definitely yeah. do it. But yeah. you know, I yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah, for sure. And some people again, I I think some people are scared of change. Uh, yes. Well, it's, it's scared. It's scary to go into any any new experience. I mean, it can be overwhelming. But I think if you're in the right space with the right people, yeah. I mean, it really just opens you up. I mean, I've been in <laughs> crowds. I mean, there's there's something really special about doing MDMA in a big group of people yeah. that are also uh, on MDMA. I mean, I think it's special to do in a small environment. You know, I've I've never done it alone actually. But I, you know, with close friends, it's it's one thing, but there's something about being around strangers and like, you know, I find myself like I'm usually pretty open to talking to yeah. people, but I mean, talk about just feeling connected with people like just, yeah, wow, yeah, it's really special. Mm -hmm. And it, again, it's like, it, it reminds me that like that, that's something that I can do mm -hmm. anytime that yes. I'm just. I feel a lot of that happening to me at, at this uh, at this conference that this is sort of like a retreat for me, you know, yeah. just even doing these interviews, connecting with people like you doing some of the some of the dancing and, uh, and you know looking at each other's eyes and all yeah. that it's just amazing how how it just you know your your own self kind of you know is put in the greater context immediately that everything's connected and i don't like the sense of connection with the greater our whole life and ecosystem that's uh, you know i'm very aware that that's the ultimate ultimate connection we have and speaking of that um you are like 30 some years old so you have quite a few lives a few years of life ahead of you few lives let's hope, let's few hope lives so. ahead of you yes, yeah. yes. Uh, what do you think about uh, earth life on earth um, healing and uh, all that are you hopeful are you scared about what's going on i'm hopeful you're hopeful i am i'm cautiously optimistic i yeah. guess is the word i mean it's a real question i think of how this is all gonna yeah. unfold but uh you know i think I guess I ultimately trust and like trust that hu that the humans have some in well, innate wisdom. To yeah, and I, I mean I think that when people actually talk to each other, we I think we see we're more similar than we are dissimilar, right. and it's like when we're not, you know, when we're it's when we get in this tribalism or we're actually right. not talking that things seem really bleak. Right. But I think like people generally help each other out. You know, right. I feel like I, I've benefited from that personally and yes. I feel I, I, I want to believe that great the future is wonderful is more open and yes. okay well thank you so much yeah. I'm very grateful that you shared Absolutely. your experience yes I, I'm grateful to have had the opportunity thank great. you what is it the impact of MDMA on your life hi uh, hi Rick we have Rick Dublin uh, Rick I know you've been such an honor to meet you in person oh, first oh, of all yes uh, I know you've been very giving with your attention, so I just want to ask you one question. Sure. Uh, which I'm asking everybody else here. What role has MDMA or MDMA therapy played in your life personally? Um, I think it's made me a better lover. Better lover? Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Well done. Thank you for keeping it concise. Thank you so much Thank you for so waiting. Much.